What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And Taylor, we have quite a lot to talk about today as free agency and the Sabres development camp are both now underway. The Sabres making a little bit of noise with some of their own re-signings, as well as bringing in a couple of guys that fill in some keyholes on the lineup. Let's get right into it now, Taylor. So for starters, the Sabres re-signed forward Victor Olofsson for a two-year deal at $4.75 million per year. They also ended up bringing back Vinny Hinostroza on a one-year deal and brought back Malcolm Subban, who is seemingly going to be working in tandem with Uko Pekalukinen and Rochester. So Taylor, let's start with Victor Olofsson. My early read on this, this is a very, very tradable contract that they just signed him to this is going to walk him to free agency eventually and honestly my first thought after seeing the contract details is assume considering the Sabres haven't made any big splashy moves so far today it kind of feels like to me and I'm not basing this off of anything other than my own speculation that if the wheels are off this year and things are not going well Olofsson will be gone at the deadline this year not next year what are your thoughts on the signing and what do you think about that theory yeah, that's I would I would imagine that's right. If not before, I don't know if the thing is we're recording only five and a half hours after free agency started. If they're still in any kind of forward, they're gonna have to make multiple moves. And like we've said, Olsen is one of the more logical trade targets they have. He's I don't know how he exactly fits in their top six. And like he's cool in the power play and he scores 20 goals, so that makes him valuable. Well, in, in the trade market, well, maybe not perhaps being as valuable on the ice, perfect guy to trade. But yeah, the, the 4.75 seems fair. And if it's a little high, that's fine because they had to get to the cap floor anyway, which they finally did today after a few of these moves. And Olsen, I think if he is around and they don't make too many moves, uh, it's that's mostly fine if he's on the ice this year. He doesn't, it doesn't cause too much of a problem. They're not, it doesn't seem like they're overly concerned with making the playoffs this year. And once you get to the deadline and you're looking to sell, that's someone that could potentially fetch a pretty good return, especially if a team's pretty desperate. And he scored, let's say, like 15 goals and it's almost a deadline or you're looking for a power play specialist. I mean, that can be very important in the playoffs because, as we saw this year, they're finally going to call penalties in the playoffs. And someone like Florida, who had a great power play all year, all of a sudden it falls apart in the playoffs. So they're, they're going to want and teams in general might look at that and say, we need someone who's reliable on the power play. So that's what you could get out of Olofsson. So, yeah, I think it's a it's a good and tradable deal that gets them over the cap floor or one of the deals that helped them get over the cap floor. So looking at the other moves though, bringing back Vinny Hinostroza, this is one I got to tell you, even though it was for a low cap hit, I believe 1.8 million. I don't necessarily necessarily love it. What do you, what do you feel about this? Do you think that this is, uh, are you annoyed by this at all with them bringing him back on a one-year deal or do you feel as though it's such an inconsequential signing that it's really not going to matter in the grand scheme of things? I don't think it probably matters. It's honestly, I don't know if he's their 13th forward, but the way things are constructed right now, they have 13 forwards under contract that doesn't include Paterka. And looking at the opening light line, opening night lineup in that case, your 13th forward would not be him. It'd be Andres Bjork. Now we're operating under the assumption that Bjork will be gone in some way. I think we both are Yeah. Uh, before the season starts. So in that case, he's your 13th forward and you move Paterka in or he's your 12th forward and you have someone else in the box and Paterka starts out in Rochester. 
hockey is a game where a lot of injuries happen. A lot of guys will be moved up. Look at all the guys we saw last year, for example. We got to see Quinn and Paterka for a little while. We even got to see guys like Ethan Prow. We got to see a million games of John Hayden. We saw Brett Murray. Like You'll Your see boy, guys Hayden. in Rochester. Yeah, my boy. Uh, well, we're going to see like Paterka at some point. So that that's no question. I think the question is, when do we see him? Like, Do we see him right away? And in that case, Henestrosa seems like insurance more than anything. And and he was pretty good last year, so I don't mind having him around on like the third line or whatever. Especially if it what if an Olsen trade happens earlier than we think? It'd be nice to have someone like that who you can you know you can play because who knows what else is going on with Rochester forwards beyond Paterka. I mean, yeah. Rosen will be there next year, right? But that's I don't think that's been determined quite yet because there's still a chance that he's going to play overseas, but actually, as we had talked about a few weeks ago, actually get minutes this year. Yeah. Oh, I guess we'll see if he, either way, like you don't know how right, much people right. to rely on him. So it it's kind of fine with me, honestly. I don't think too much about it either way. He's a guy that he, he seems like perfectly fine on your third line. Like he won't, he's not someone that like actively carry a third line and being better than it should be. And he doesn't, he's not a detriment at all. And he could score like a dozen or so goals. So, and then if not, like it's not any like crime to put him in the press box either especially if he's cold or someone else is playing better. That's fine too. If it were another sport, I'd say you're blocking him, but I don't know. Hockey lineups are just so like fluid that over the course of an 82 game season that it's like, Paterka will get in there. Sure. No, that's definitely fair. Well, the last thing I'll say too, on some of the re-signings there with Malcolm Subban coming back, I think you and I are both definitely in favor of this. He's the kind of guy that is just, he's been going back and forth between the NHL and the AHL. And I think that having him as your backup option in Rochester is really solid is also assuming that say, for example, Craig Anderson gets hurt and that's an opportunity for UPL to come up if he's playing well, or you have the insurance of having a guy with NHL experience like Subban to be able to call him up as well. If you want to just keep getting more games for UPL and Rochester, I think in the event of an Anderson industry, we would, injury we would probably end up seeing upl first but overall good vibes guy i think everybody rightfully was acknowledging how great it was to see him just sticking around being supportive of the community especially over the summer and after the the attack at tops i mean and just his involvement with the community it's been great to see and i think it's worthy of bringing a guy like that back and, and keeping him around the organization any thoughts on sue resigning? well we'll get him another anthem hopefully this year Fingers crossed. That'll be cool. And not much besides that. I guess it's good to have reliable goaltending in Rochester. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's get into it now, Taylor, with the big news of the day. Starting off with the Sabres, as we're talking about goalies here, signing what is appearing to be their starting goalie next year, a guy that we've talked about a couple times over the past couple weeks. Eric Comrie signs for two years, $1.8 million per year. Starting goalie seemingly for the Sabres after having a career year last year with Winnipeg. And I should say that with the asterisks that last year was really his first chance at getting regular NHL minutes. He started or he played in 19 games for the Winnipeg Jets. He went 10, 5, and 1 with a 920 save percentage, which is pretty solid. Taking it a little bit further with some of the advanced stats. In his 18 starts last year, he ranked only second to Igor Shosturkin among all goalies over five games played with a 
0.56 goal saved above expected per game, which comes out to over half a goal per game saved beyond the expectation. Comrie was a guy, Taylor, that you and I were talking about that seemed like it made a lot of sense there because realistically you would be able to get him on the cheap, which they were able to. He's 27 years old right now. He just turned 27. This is around the time when guys, when goalies, I feel like really kind of solidify where they're at in the NHL. And while he is very, very, very unproven, I think that given the way that the goalie market fell, that the Sabres weren't willing to spend on Kemper or on a Campbell, that you're able to get a guy that who knows, like, let's see what's there. Maybe there's a diamond in the rough. We just found he's young enough still where maybe what we saw from him last year is really good. Maybe he's not a 920 guy, but maybe he's like a 910 guy, which is, I think, something that all of us would probably take at this stage of the game, considering we didn't have any goalies who were above a 900 save percentage last year who were up for the majority of the year. So, I mean, I think that overall, I'm pretty happy about this move. Uh, you know, it would have been nice to go get one of the big fish, like I said, in either Kemper or Campbell. But as we all know, that was a, a little bit unrealistic going into this, as it seemed as though the Sabres were really looking to not make a splash or spend a lot of money here out of the gate. So your thoughts on signing Comrie and how you think that he fits into the fold next year? Well, he better finish as a starting goalie because that's, what he's got to be he it's an interesting resume goalies are so weird as we mentioned before they, they you know they can be so random and all over the place but it's also weird that at any given time or any given season you don't really get to see that many goalies play in the nhl technically every, there should be 64 every team should have two but there ends up being more than that but for anyone that gets a, a decent sample size of games it's not that many and Comrie is someone who's like yeah they got drafted they were decently thought of playing in the WHL back to the AHL back to the WHL and also goalie, another thing with goalies that take longer only a little bit of time in the NHL then back and then COVID screwed up some things for him so last year's not all we have to go on because he has good AHL numbers but that's the kind of risk I think the Sabres should be taking because it didn't seem like many goalies were interested in playing here understandably I guess so you have someone who there's no reason they couldn't be good signs point to them at least being worth a try and you get them for, I believe, a two-year deal for $1.85 million. Yep. So you're not breaking the bank, and it's no long-term commitment. You Next year, you could fairly easily bury him if he's not that good. And with Anderson as the backup, I, this kind of reminds me of um, Patty Laline being the backup in 2011, which sounds like a bad thing because Patty Laline was not good by that point. And Anderson, I guess, won't be either. But what you could easily do is tell Patty Laline slash Craig Anderson, hey, I'm sorry. You're going to sit on the bench in case starting goalie, which is Comrie in this case, Ryan Miller in that case, no comparison, in case they need someone to go in. So the third guy, which is obviously EPL in this case, can get some time in Rochester. Jonas Enroth in that case. But when we need a backup goalie to make a start, like we need our starting goalie to take a rest, he's coming up to take it. You're going to the press box. That's something you could do. That's something they did for a little while in 2011 because the lean was so bad. And I think that's something you'd easily do this year. Not, not for the full year. That's ridiculous. But like if things start to go bad with Anderson and you're in any kind of playoff race or whatever, you could easily just get UPL starts. Or maybe you just feel like UPL isn't – he's playing too well in Rochester, which has not been the case, by the way, for the past three years. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. That's yeah. That's probably <laughs> Yeah, not true. Uh, on the other hand, Anderson at his age is also likely to get injured. And Comrie could always get injured too. It's a dangerous game. So – It'll be good to have someone like UPL, not just UPL even, 
because the last two seasons, the Sabres have had disasters in net where they've been like four goalies deep. We almost had to bring up some guy, some 30 something year old who went to Canisius last year because we we're so many goalies injured or had COVID. Well, if, if they can go four deep with NHL goalies who like Anderson's sub average UPL, not much sample size in the NHL. So we'll see not great in the NHL and Subban also below average in the NHL, but they're all NHL guys. You're not bringing up like Michael Hauser weirdly who did very well, but like you don't really want to have to rely on a guy who's mostly played in the ECHL. So at least they're four deep in that way of guys who played in the NHL. Right. It's a position that they really weren't in. And it's just with making, you know, that, that simple of a signing, obviously they acquired Subban during the season last year, but no, I agree. And I think that's the right approach to take here. And it, it just really seems like it is a low risk, potentially high reward move, because like you had said, it's going to be easy to get out of a deal like that if things were to go South, but I am willing given the position that the Sabres in, are in to bet on this kind of player. You know, and as we're talking about small sample size and everything, it's not as though we're, we're going out and getting Carter Hutton or something like that, who's like a journeyman NHL guy who's always been a backup yeah. and then he has one career year. When it comes to Three Comrie, years. Right, yeah. Well, when it, and when it comes to Comrie, you know, this is a guy who really just had his first legitimate taste of the NHL last year. And I will also say, too, for a Winnipeg team that all around is generally pretty solid, but they weren't necessarily a playoff team either. And he still was able to put yeah, up- They weren't a playoff team at all. They were like, what, 10th place? Right. And so that's what and I'm that saying. And that was with though. a good starting goalie. Right. And so he was able to look pretty damn serviceable in there for Winnipeg in those 19 appearances that he had. So, you know, I, I'm willing to take a risk on a guy like that rather than going after some veteran that's totally on the other end of his career right now and is on the way out and you just are getting him because you feel like you need another veteran presence in there. Like take a gamble on a guy, this team, judging by the moves that we have seen so far, which again, no complaints on Comrie, no complaints on the Labushkin move, which we'll talk about next, but they they're not trying to compete next year. I don't think anybody has to like deny that fact just given by the moves that they're making now i'm not necessarily saying that's right or wrong with saying this but they're not so it kind of seems like you're in the perfect situation to take a flyer on a guy like that because worst case scenario it's easy to cut ties with him and next year he could be in rochester if it comes down to it if upl ends up sticking or whatever and ends up playing really well um, or he's your backup next year. If that's the case, like whatever it may be, I highly doubt Anderson's going to make it beyond this year, but like, you know, you, you have that on the, the worst case scenario side of things. And at such a low cap hit, but best case scenario, you're, you're getting a guy that you're just finding out now at freshly 27 years old, as of a couple days ago, that he actually can play in the NHL. And if he ends up showing that he's a serviceable guy, like, like I said, I think for me, like the target is if he could be a guy that's like above like nine ten, that is the ultimate value signing that you're getting out of a goalie that you really don't know who he is or what he is just because the sample size is so small from last year. So I, I'm a big fan of the move. Given where they're at right now, I think that this is a, a savvy move that for one, I think just makes a lot of sense, but also too, and this kind of leads us into the next guy we're going to be talking about. Well, hold on. I have something oh. to say that you're going to, your eyes are going to roll out on Elmwood. Oh God. I remember another time the Sabres uh, acquired a 27 year old, mostly unproven goalie who was stuck behind a future hall of famer. Who are we talking about? It happened, you know, a few years ago in 1992, <laughs> almost 30 oh, years ago. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> 
Oh, man. Oh, my God. All right, everybody. This has been another episode of Straight Up Savers. Thanks for listening. <laughs> um, God, wow. Okay. That that did. My eyes are, are currently out on, one of them is on Delaware and the other one's on Elmwood right now. Um, <laughs> um, but the last thing I'll say about it too, and again, this kind of leads us into talking about Labushkin here a little bit, is it feels as though that both of these free agent signings are pretty data driven too. Like, as I had mentioned there, you know, I think that goal save above expected stat that he was only second. I know it's, again, I understand it's 19 or 18 starts, but like the fact that only second to Shesterkin for goal save above expected, that's, that's pretty good that they're looking at that. And then transitioning now into defense, the Sabres ended up signing Ilya Labushkin to a two-year deal. I believe it was 2.75 was the, was the number Taylor. Do you want to check that for me really quick? But it is uh yes. It is. Okay. Yeah. So I don't necessarily think that this is a move for a guy that will end up being powers partner. I I think it remains to be seen just because it is so early. It's only the first day of free agency that we're recording this. And I think that he makes most sense to me being a really, really solid third pair guy. Um, I still am hopeful, not necessarily saying that I'm uh, optimistic that it's going to happen because just again, the Sabres don't look like they really want to spend or make a splash or anything like that. But he makes a lot of sense as a third pair guy because of the fact that he is rock solid defensively, is a very physical presence. And I think he adds something to the blue line that the Sabres currently do not have and have not had for quite a, quite a few years now, you know, they've had guys, I think that maybe passed as being tough guys, but they just sucked at hockey. Whereas Labushkin, the thing with him, what about McCabe? Uh, yeah, McCabe no, was kind fair. of this guy. Yeah. Solid on D, not great on offense. No, that's, that's fair. Actually, McCabe was definitely tough, but Labushkin is just a bruiser. And the really big thing with him is that for better or for worse, the man hates offense. He hates it, Taylor. <laughs> Did you see the heat map that I posted from Micah earlier where yep. this man's offensive zone and defensive zone are borderline identical, all blue, which means for those of you who don't know what I'm referring to, go head over to our Twitter account at Straight Sabres on Twitter. We had posted uh, just like a little thread. It was a few tweets just about the signings. And we had posted... Uh, a chart from Micah, um, Micah McCurdy, who is a, a great analytics follow, who I believe is also like Loki Taylor's mortal enemy, but <laughs> <laughs> no, he's, he's just, he's, he's the president of the Carter Hutton fan club. Yes, he is. Exactly. So he's both of our mortal enemies, if that's the case, but his even strength <laughs> offense and his even strength defense. If you go and look at the heat map that, that he had posted about him again, like Red means offense is happening a lot. Blue means it's all defense and no offense. So on the offensive side of things, it is just all blue for this man. Pretty much, again, like borderline identical to his his defensive metrics. So you're not getting a guy there who is going to contribute literally anything for you when the puck crosses the red line going into the offensive zone. Just don't expect it. You, you, you don't, you're not getting anything from him. But God damn it, Taylor. That puck crosses the red line coming back into the Sabres zone. This man's about to roll some heads. The dude is a rock solid defensive defenseman. And I'm a big fan of the move. I think that you need that. You need to have that enforcer type on the blue line who is obviously still serviceable in his own end. Like we're not talking about a wrist line in here where you just 
cross check guys in front of the net or hit guys after they make a perfect pass into the front of the net where you should have been covering and the, and the other team scores a goal. Like Babushkin is really, really solid in his own zone. And I think that if he ends up playing with power, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world necessarily because it's going to give power a lot of freedom to, to do his thing and be creative offensively to carry the puck up ice with this, with the puck on his stick similar to what we want to see out of, out of Darlene because of the otherworldly talent that's there. I would probably just rather have maybe a little bit more of a higher skill guy to be playing next to power while still having that solid defensive presence. So it's not the end of the world if he ends up starting there, but him being like a third pair guy playing opposite of Bryson, for example, I think makes too much sense for me. I think if you go into this year, again, assuming that they aren't making any more moves, which I hope is not the case, I'm still holding on to our dreams of uh, Uyghur or Dumba or Severson to come in and be Powers partner. I'm not going to hold my breath, but let's say that that move happens next year, and then you're able to move Labushkin down to your third pair, and you have a Bryson Labushkin third pair, where you're able to let Bryson, who is a great skater, but is a little bit chaotic in his own zone, and just defensively, or just overall chaotic a little bit, but like <laughs> let, let, let's just say that that's the move there. I, I think that that makes so much sense and positions them that again, if we're talking about 2023, 2024 being the year that they're going to be pushing for a playoff spot, I like that as a third pair there, assuming that Bryson progresses this year and takes another step. So I, I know I just rambled there for a bit, but tell me what you're thinking about the Labushkin signing. What do you like about it? And where do you see him slotting in next year uh, on opening night this coming season? Well, as of now, I see him slotting in on the right side in the second pairing next to power because they haven't done anything else. Like you said, it's early, so they're not playing for almost three months. They have time to still make a move for one of the, the guys you mentioned, like Dumba or Uyghur, guys that would be really, really great to have on your team. But if you can't do that, this is a pretty nice fallback. It's certainly better than the options that they had available to them, I think. Uh, it's someone where, like, you know, if Power wants to get involved in the rush, you have a guy that you know is going to stay at home. On the other hand, if you have someone that, you know, you, you want to make the breakout pass to start the play, now you have Power to do that instead of Labushkin. Am I saying that right? I think it's Labushkin. Labushkin, you know, you, you have those guys that can kind of work in tandem and cover each other's flaws, ideally. I know that's tough to ask of Power because he's only going to be 19 and 20 uh, years old this season. Like, he won't be a fully formed NHL player. But it's someone that, if he was going to play with someone who's less than perfect, I'd like it to be someone that can cover up his mistakes because I'd like him to take chances. And that'll lead to turnovers and it'll lead to odd man rushes. So, good thing you have a, a, the the absolute number one mortal enemy of golds back there uh, <laughs> to cover up whoever's playing in that on that particular night. But yeah, so I, I, I don't mind the move. I'd still prefer they make a bigger one, uh, but you know, that's not always up to them. Sometimes those guys, the other GMs don't want to move guys like that. I wouldn't want to move Mackenzie Weaver or Jesus Weger. Uh, if I were Bill Zito. Wow. Big move happening right now. Max Pacioretty and Dylan Coughlin going to Carolina from Las Vegas. So For Carolina who? adding Brent Burns today and Max Pacioretty and Dylan Coughlin. Wow. Okay. So that's a cap dump I'm assuming from Vegas. Yes. So that's interesting. I wonder who they're targeting. Let's see. Oh, <laughs> Colin Miller also goes to Dallas two years by 1.9 million. Fair enough. Wow. What if Vegas gets Johnny hockey? 
No, there's no way. So He's the latest on that. Guy. So the latest on that, he could very well be signed by the time that people are listening to this. But the he Flyers really are, should be. Yeah, he should be. The Flyers are officially out. It seems as though now it's down to the Devils and the Islanders. But in a move of trying to get more teams interested and involved in this and raise the bidding war up a little bit, Goudreau's agent has reached out to Columbus as reports have surfaced that they have been wanting to make a splash in free agency here. And so now they're seeing if Columbus wants to get involved too. So we'll see who he ends up with. I'm going to guess it's New Jersey because New Jersey reportedly is offering him North of $10 million. So take the money and go play with Jack Hughes, man. He would be insane to go literally anywhere, but there, unless he really wanted to stay in Calgary. Like I get it. Moving's hard. Uh, But he'd be insane to even consider Philadelphia considering what's going on there. The Islanders, the Islanders are going nowhere. I know they'll probably be better than they were last year, but they're a borderline playoff team. And now they don't even have the coach who gave them their identity anymore. Right. So that's weird. Go to New Jersey. I mean, I don't love what's going on there, but like, it's okay. You have Jack Hughes, you have Heisher, who's okay. You have a couple pretty good guys. I mean, you have Dougie Hamilton. It's a better roster than people would probably expect. Oh yeah. I think adding go there a hundred point guy that is going to definitely like that. That's a big difference making move when you actually have, other guys throughout the lineup that are going to be able to supplement that too. Like it's more than just Jack Hughes. You have Nico Heischer there. You have Jesper Bratt. Like you had mentioned with Dougie Hamilton, you have Ty Smith on the blue line there. They um, upgraded the goalie. Well, who didn't, didn't they just trade for uh, who they trade for? Uh, that's a great question. Hold on here. I'm we were, we literally just talked about this too. And I'm totally blanking right now. Oh, Vanacek which oh that's right Vitek. Yeah. that's is uh is that a goalie it's risky but i mean he's, they're rolling with mckenzie and uh and him and that's yeah i mean he looked good at times last year but again it was like him and samson on neither of them could decide who was going to take that job over um, uh it turns out it's neither of them neither of them yeah so taylor i want to ask i think this speaks to a greater point because let's be clear here before we get into this, that there are names out there still unsigned guys like Palat, Dylan and Ryan Strom, Kadri. Not that I think that any of those guys necessarily could end up in a Sabres uniform. I, obviously not like the Stroms or Kadri, maybe Palat. I don't know if they just like throw a ton of money at him, but what I'm wondering from you, and we kind of talked about this a little bit before the episode So the Sabres seem to be really holding out this year and not trying to make any splashes, not to accelerate the rebuild. So I think people oftentimes look at the moves that Tim Murray made back in 2015, 2016, and there's no denying it that the way that he went about that was absolutely a mistake. I will also say, though, that the current assets that we have in the system right now, the makeup of the, of the franchise as a whole is much, much stronger today than it was back then. Do you think that automatically the Sabres should just continue to play the patience game here? Or do you feel as though that if for them to make a bigger move wouldn't necessarily mean accelerating a rebuild or messing up the rebuild or anything like that. Like, do you feel like that is exaggerated? Because I personally do a little bit. I'm not saying that I want them to go and sign Johnny Goudreau. Cause I don't think that that makes sense for them right now. Maybe a signing like that makes sense. Like next year, if they show that they can hang around and be in the playoff race, like up into April or something like that. But 
I just feel as though people automatically dismissing the thought of the Sabres making a bigger move via trade, for example, saying that it would accelerate the rebuild too much and that it would just be a repeat of murder. I feel as though that that's a bit exaggerated. Do you feel like that's the case, Taylor? Or do you think that the patient, like the patience and not making any kind of splash is the way that they should be going about this? Well, let me ask this with Tim Murray. What move of the three big trades he made and the Oposo signing, I guess the Oposo signing is separate. I'll, I'll keep you to the three trades. What th- what move of those would the Sabres have been better off if they didn't make? From a locker room perspective, maybe Kane. That's what maybe I was going to say. Maybe you could try and find a different move there where you you know identify another forward that you want to go after in that instance. Um, because you knew what some of the, the locker room concerns were there. I mean... Yeah, that's a good point. Lander, that's that's would, that, but that's not also that has nothing to do with rushing the rebuild well, though. Well, right, exactly. Like Laner, I mean, again, I think people just outright saying trading a first for a goalie, like that's understandable. But as we'd seen, the guy who was taken in that spot, Colin White, was waived and just signed with Florida for like a one-year, like around two or sub two million dollar contract. Or Samsonov, who just signed with Toronto on a one-year deal after being let go by Washington. So Konechny, Konechny signed, it was right around there. What's that? Konechny was taken right around there. Well, yeah, that him too. too. Yeah. But like, I, I mean, the O'Reilly trade, I think you don't even, you make that trade and not even blink again. Like that was absolutely yeah. the right move to make the thought of going after a guy like Kane. That's like a younger guy. I, again, like I think ignoring the Intel that they should have had about the locker room issues is one thing, but I, I mean, I, and Leonard, when you traded for him was still young at that point too. You know, like, so I guess that's a good, that's a fair question to ask. I don't, I think Murray really, that's kind of a, it's, I think that that whole angle is totally exaggerated with him. I think he rushed the rebuild in terms of expectations because he added those guys plus young Eichel and Reinhardt to uh, like the worst team ever. And not even just the worst team ever, a worst team ever whose three best players inexplicably got way worse the next year. And if you want to look at it, maybe Gergensen's was just the same guy with fewer minutes or whatever, but like Ennis had a horrific concussion and Molson fell off a cliff immediately. So now it's like, oh, it's this crap, awful team. And even their guys that were decent last year are bad. And so you added those other guys to it and you don't get much out of it. So that was, it, it was still going to be a longer process and there was still a bunch of moves to make. He, he looked at it, I think maybe it's kind of a stars and scouts roster. doesn't really work in hockey, especially when two of those stars are so young and one of those stars like Kane is pretty one dimensional, bad idea. Uh, what he should have been building towards is a time when Eichel and O'Reilly would be a solid one, two, and then Sam would be somewhere in there. He's a three C or a top line winger and filling out around that, hoping to be good around 17, 18 or 18, 19. Right. Well, instead, like what he did was not fill out those spots. Look at the, he, he built expectations where you thought 2016, 17, they're going to be a good team. Go look at that opening night lineup. There were like six AHLers on that team around like, yes, the biggest free agent, the second biggest free agent signing of that year, Kyle Oposo, uh, O'Reilly, Kane, all those guys, Leonard, like, and even Leonard was pretty good in 2016, 17, didn't matter. Didn't even come close to the playoffs with good Leonard and the best power play in the league because like the most of the team is crap. And I guess the second big mistake he made, which he could have known right away is he entrusted Rasmus Ristolainen as the franchise defenseman, which is the same mistake Bottrell made after him. So that those are both huge mistakes. Right. That's I, I don't know. I don't look at that as rushing, which is why I wouldn't be scared of making big moves right now if I were Kevin Adams. So that's I, I, so to answer your question, I guess 
I would say that this is a legitimate strategy that they're undergoing right now. But it's not the only strategy, because I think I've seen some people on Twitter be like, you're an idiot, basically, if you want bigger moves. And I disagree. I don't think you have to change the timeline at all, especially this being free agency. And uh, I think I mean, that's top, right. Well, yeah. And I think it's ignorant for people to just automatically assume that because something happened before with a completely different management team and a completely different roster, like literally, aside from Gergensen's, this entire roster is different from 2015, 16. So like, and the prospect pool too. So like, just to give some further context to this for why I feel like making this comparison is so ridiculous. First of all, like, let's look at the roster as it is, because the one thing that you and I have talked about Taylor throughout this past season, really, like maybe even more so like the past six months is the depth that they have been building throughout the lineup. You, it it seems like now they have all of the pieces there, but within all of those pieces, you're missing that one kind of core star piece to to fill in that just would perfectly complete the top end of this roster i mean you have tage you have krebs you have tuck you have skinner you have cousins um help me out here more of the young guys on the right like the more the forwards i'm saying well um you have olafson you have potentially middle yeah. okay now let's go back and look at the 2015-16 team at the top of the lineup you have o'reilly eichel reinhardt and kane beyond that your depth Brian Gianta, Jamie McGinn, Marcus Foligno before he became what he is right now, Matt Molson, Gergensen, Larson, David Leguan, Nick Delorier, Ennis for 23 games that year. You had 20 games of Cal O'Reilly. Like that team sucked. Like there was absolutely no depth there. And then on top of that, the other thing I want to say too, look at the Sabres farm system right now and how good it is and how high end it is. Okay. 2015, 16, Taking out Eichel and Reinhardt from the equation, the guys who we were getting really hyped about at the time, like Jake McCabe, okay, Nick Baptiste, Hudson Fashing, Justin Bailey, Eric Cornell, Brendan Gooley. Uh, I love Karabacek. Uh, Karabacek, William Carrier. Like, that is well, they, not... This, another Tim Murray example, they traded Braden McNabb, solid defenseman, and two seconds... For Hudson Fashing, crap right. prospect, fourth rounder, and Nick Delorier. Right. Who had a huge day today. Congrats to Nick Delorier and his Four fucking years. Jesus Christ. Go Philly, man. Philly's great. Let's let's try and get there first this year, please. I hope Again. you uh yeah. Um, you like cheesesteaks and five three losses there we go baby but no that's what i'm saying with all of this it's just like i I, i'm with you like i don't think that there is any way that these two situations are remotely comparable because of the fact that this roster and then also too i'm jesus i'm only talking about the forwards there look at the blue line okay you have rasmus ristolainen who he had his you know as a 21 year old he puts up 41 points but zach bogosian um, Cody Franzen, Josh Georges, Jake McCabe, Carlo Koliakovo, Mike Weber. Okay, like there's no Rasmus Dahlin, there's no Owen Power there. Fuck, there's no Matias Samuelson there for that matter, too. Like, of just like a rock solid, like call it like a number three or number four option for them. I, I mean, I, I just don't think that the, the situations are are remotely comparable and i think that anybody just trying to dismiss the idea of them making a move and again not to keep beating the dead horse on it because we we talk about them like once a week but like 
what is preventing them from trying to go out and get Pierre-Luc Dubois or a guy of that nature or going out and getting Severson or Dumba or Uyghur? Like to think that people are just dismissing the idea of doing that out of hand because you're afraid of what Tim Murray did six years ago. I, I mean, that's, that's not how you win. That's not how you progress. Now I'm not saying that you need to be Ottawa and go give Claude Giroux six and a half million a year or something like that, but there are absolutely bigger moves that you can make. And again, like to make moves like that, like you're going to have to give up assets, but that's okay if it means that you are adding a guy of real value and substance that is going to help you now and into the future. Yep. And I think, you know, like I said, it's not the, I think there's multiple ways to go about this. I, I think it's fine if he wants to look at this forward group and just look at it and say, we have too many guys already. I don't, I want to get a look at all these guys. Uh, I don't see the need to sign someone and be like, well, we'll figure it out next year because someone won't work out. Someone won't impress me in all likelihood. And we'll just figure that out next year. And then looking at the defense and saying, well, we got our five guys. We'll just get one guy and then maybe see if there's a trade available. And then obviously goaltending is kind of a nightmare. He had to get someone before the market ran out like it did last year. I get that. I totally get that approach if that's what he's doing. And he's like, and especially if his approach is, if something pops up, it pops up. For and sure. I would also For understand sure. if they came Again, out today day too. So this could, this, we, we could put this episode out and we could wake up tomorrow morning and they traded for Severson or they traded for Uyghur or something like, obviously not them, but you know what I mean? Like this could change at a moment's notice, but I think it's more so just like the overall approach. Yes. Yeah, I agree. I think, and I think if, if they came out, there's no reason and there's nothing that would hurt them UFA wise. If they just went out there and were like, we want, X guy like Andre Pilat. If they sign a reasonable deal for Andre Pilat, I don't know what that is. Is it like what five years? Is it five by five? Is that reasonable for Pilat? I is don't know. Too if I little? Go five, four by six, something like that for Pilat. I would do like three by six. <laughs> he's not. He's not <laughs> taking three years. Uh, I, I know, know he's he's getting old. Right I mean, there was a lot of, I will say this idea. though, there was a lot of two-year deals that went, two and three-year deals that went around. And I know he's 31 right now, but I mean, what if you, you know, you do a two-year, or what if he even did, I mean, I don't know if, if you're able to get him for one year and then he pops off and you trade him at the deadline or something like that, or you do a two-year, I don't know if you'd even agree to that in the first place, but ah, I don't know though. I, I, I don't want to do five years or four for that matter for Palat. Would you? Well, that's why I gave it a low AAV. So, no, I don't. I don't want all that time for Palat, but I'm thinking about a way to how you could get someone. The other thing is to say, because I think there's some people equally disappointed the Sabres aren't doing more, which I didn't expect them to do more, frankly, based on everything Adam said and the way their roster was set up. But I'll say this to those people. I understand you want them to do more. As far as free agency goes, I don't know how much people want to be in Buffalo. The end of last year was nice. Does that outweigh more than a decade? No. It's... Well, and also, do you think that people around the league are like, hey, Buffalo was above, above 500 for the last month or month or two of the year. Like, maybe we should go play. It's just not how that works. Like, They have a bad to... reputation. Yeah, you need to establish. The Eichel thing, injuries. They miss the playoffs a bunch of times. They've had to rebuild in the middle of the rebuild. That's always embarrassing. Everyone knows about the drought. You're not getting any people because they love the nightlife here. If that matters to anyone hey man buffalo nightlife is popping i'm saying yeah but if i was an nhl player i wouldn't say that 
Um, but anyway, before we talk but about anything else, take, let's hear. Uh, hold on. They need to take all the prospects right now at camp to the pink. <laughs> bring them out to the pink with us <laughs> and we'll we'll show them why uh ryan johnson and eric portillo should sign in buffalo <laughs> <laughs> or they'll get stabbed did you see um the the thing the, i think was it andrew ferentz told a story on twitter about the oilers prospect camp in like 2014 that he basically kidnapped a bunch of the prospects and they didn't know where they were going and he took them out to the woods and made them live like they were in the army for like two days and like they had to do all kinds of tasks so he could measure the leadership and then him and his army friends gave someone the mvp at the end of the weekend it was like supposed to be this thread with this big payoff and he's like and the person that persevered the most and impressed us was leon dreisadel it's like oh really the guy that went third overall turned out pretty good wow damn damn just think can you believe it it'd be it'd be such a better thread if it was like you know who really impressed me this fifth round pick who ended up being really good and he was also really good at me kidnapping him and making him <laughs> live in the woods for a day. Oh man. But yeah, that's basically our version of that. We'll be taking guys to the pink against their will. Yeah, exactly. See who can survive. <laughs> um, all right. So let's hear a word from our sponsors. Uh, the draft, the action never ends here at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another sh- shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, props, your betting options feel endless. So this is the time um, when I'm supposed to talk about an upcoming game or something like that uh, to you know you should keep an eye out. What about the home run derby? I'd say this. It's coming up. Next week, Pete Alonzo is going to go for the three-peat. The three-peat Alonzo, Ooh. that's my opinion. He's a great hitter, and this competition clearly matters a lot to him for some reason. I mean, he's never been to the playoffs, so I guess I understand. So, I would bet on him. All right. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN for the Hockey Podcast Network. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code THPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details and responsible gambling resources. All right. What else do we want to talk about? Anything else going on around the league that's interesting yeah, today? There, there is actually quite a bit going on around the league here. Oh, my God. We have news. Kevin Adams said that they are definitely signing Lawrence Pilot. They're just waiting for the KHL contract termination and paperwork to be finalized. So Lawrence Pilot is back in the fold, folks. That's good. So we have seven defensemen now that could potentially play in the NHL. So it's great to hear. Yeah, absolutely. So one thing, too, that I want to actually ask you, well, a couple of things I want to get to before we get to some of the league-wide stuff. We've talked about the uh, about Yoki Haru and how he we just neither of us feel like he has a place on this team moving forward, especially if they end up do surprising us and making a move for a guy like a Severson Dumba or whoever among that. What, can I ask real quick though? Is Pilot yeah. right-handed? Left-handed, but I think he could play both sides. But uh, do you see Yoki Haru being a part of this team this time next year? Uh. I mean, he signed through that, isn't he? Yes, and he'll be an RFA, but I do not want him to be. 
I think it's like a 50-50 shot. Honestly, I, the only reason I'm hesitating is because we don't have a lot of guys on the right. Yeah, I mean, and they seem to like him with power, even though it felt like power was the one who was just dragging him around last year. But oh, <laughs> it did feel like that. Yeah, I, I just, I just don't see where he fits. He kind of, to a lesser extent, it feels like the whole thing with Bjork, where it just doesn't feel like they have it. You know, Yoki Haru, I think, has had his moments over the years, and I think he had a good start with us, but it's just kind of been a steady downhill from there, and I don't think he's anything more than, like, a six being your right-handed defenseman on your third pair. And I was just kind of curious, because I think, as I had said before, Labushkin, it feels like if they're gunning for next year to be the year that they're really going to take the jump, that Labushkin is the ideal guy then to move down to your third pair to play with Bryson. And there's no room for Yoki Haru then, because he's not going to be your seventh defenseman. So I was just curious about that. But Taylor, I want to go through some of the notable free agent signings that had happened. And I want to, after we go through these, take it back to how this relates back to the Sabres. So some of the names, the one that was a a late bloomer that showed up uh, that we had just realized that this guy was going to be available, but and it seemed like he would have been a perfect fit for the Sabres, but he ends up going to Toronto as Ilya Samsonov. So he goes to Toronto on a one year by $1.8 million deal. And Toronto is rolling into next year with a goalie tandem of Ilya Samsonov and Matt Murray. Let's get it, baby. Go. Good luck up there, Toronto fans. Um, Wait, but I mean, I, you gotta, you gotta say it, Jack Campbell. Well, I pay Jack Campbell 5 million a year when you could pay two goalies that are worse than him for more than that. Yep. Hey man, another brain genius move from touchable Kyle Dubas. We love it. We really, really do. Speaking of goalies, as we had mentioned before, Jack Campbell, he ends up going to Edmonton at a five, five by five deal. Darcy Kemper goes to Washington at five point five by 5.25. Mr. Darcy goes to Washington. Crazy. Mason Marshmont, who was somebody that the Sabres were potentially linked to. And we had talked about being a nice idea. He goes to Dallas four years, 4.5 million per year. Another guy. What is Dallas doing? I don't know. I I don't. I mean, Marshall. Also, what are the, what is Dallas doing to their goalies? By the way, they've had three goalies under contract in like the last year that are like I, I physically can't play. Hey, at least I, they have Jake Ottinger. <laughs> yeah. What do you think? Jake Ottinger just took like a pickaxe in the goalie room the one day, just like start going at these guys' legs. Because Q Dobin can't play either, can he? No. He but I mean, well, he. I think they had him in the AHL last year, if I'm not mistaken. Well, wasn't he like some like also injury thing? I know Bishop and Holtby also were mm-hmm. but like I mean, he was hurt because he's just like old, but yeah, also just was not good when he was healthy. Um, another guy who was tied to the Sabres as a possibility, Andre Burakovsky goes to Seattle five years, 5.5 mil per year. As I had mentioned before, Claude Giroux goes to Ottawa three years, 6.5 million per year on that deal. Andrew Kopp goes to Detroit five years, 5.625 million per Josh Manson, your boy, who you would have liked to see the Sabres sign. Also, I would have been interested in that as well. Uh, he goes, he returns to Colorado four years, 4.5 million per year. And then David Perron goes to Detroit two years, 4.75 million per year. A really, really nice signing there for Detroit. You know this, I, I, we've talked about before. I'm a big David Perron guy, have been for a very long time since his very first stint with the Blues. Looking forward to his fourth stint when he inevitably gets traded at the trade deadline next year back to the Blues. Um, <laughs> he, but that, that I, I said this before, before we came on air, but that would have been considered a blasphemous move at times in the past, uh, a Blues life yeah. for signing with the Red Wings. Yep. But thanks, Gary Bettman. 
Yep. Moving the Red Wings uh, out of conference. So dumb. Um, which speaking of which, can I just ask this too? I feel like it makes way more sense for Detroit to go back to the West and then they should just do a realignment where like <laughs> you put Nashville into the East and you have like Nashville, Tampa, Florida, Carolina. I feel like those teams all kind of make sense to be together more than Detroit being in the Atlantic. Do you agree? Yeah, I would think so yeah that makes sense right so detroit I mean, would let me, let me be in the central yeah <laughs> you know i mean like nashville works either way and detroit really doesn't work one of the ways so and and like who gives a shit if nashville's in the west or not they, they've never mattered they, they won right. the west I mean, one time it's the only time they ever made a conference final well that's what i and nashville is technically speaking more west than detroit is but i don't know i feel like it makes more sense that nashville gets clumped in with like the southwest teams than being in the same division as like southeast you mean or southeast i mean than being in the same division as like colorado and arizona and then do you move columbus to the east columbus already is in the east or sorry the atlantic yeah i think that would make sense so yeah so you'd move nashville would and nashville would go to this metro detroit would go to the central and Columbus would go to the Atlantic. Yeah. All right. That works. Right. Doesn't that make sense? And then everything's perfect until Arizona moves to Quebec and we have to yep. do another alignment. This time we're doing seven divisions at each conference. <laughs> they're probably, I mean, I'm, I'm being hundred percent serious. If they are a hundred like super like split on Houston versus Quebec, Gary Batman's going to be like, guys, do we want to do realignment again? Then... Everyone's going to be like, you know what? I've always wanted a hockey team in Houston. doesn't matter. They're probably not They're probably going to build some stupid arena in Tempe that no one goes to. Yeah. Right. Seriously though. All right. Well, let's get back to the free agency stuff here, Taylor, because I'll also say too, before we move off of that, um, the guys at this current hour who are not signed. And again, this could change by the time everybody's listening to this. So don't hold it against us, but uh, yeah, Johnny Goudreau, Nazim Kadri, Andre Palat, Dylan Strom, Ryan Strom, um, the other Strom brother who is going to be in the AHL. Uh, but there's Strom. Still- there's still some guys out there, but uh, what I'm curious about Taylor is, you know, looking at some of these signings and you look at the teams in the division, you have Ottawa and Detroit making some moves there. Um, Philly is going to be pitiful. Uh, New Jersey, they're going to be there. I mean, they are improving and getting better and you're expecting that Hughes is going to take another big step there and just into stardom. Um, and they bring in Eric Halla, you know, in return for Pavel Zasha. But I- I'm curious, Taylor, how many teams do you, confidently think the sabers are better than right now as we are recording this just like five or six hours or six hours after free agency gets underway because obviously this could change a lot if the sabers end up making a big move but i gotta be honest i only think there are four teams that i really really confidently think that the sabers are going to be better than and I will tell you, those four teams are Montreal, Arizona, Philly, and Chicago. Some of the other ones in contention, Seattle, I, I think the Burakovsky signing is great. I think them getting a full season now of Beneers and Shane Wright, assuming Shane Wright makes the opening night lineup, which I think he will, is going to be a big boost for them as well. And I think most importantly of all, Grubauer has got to come back down to earth a little bit. Like he regressed so much last year. 
so, so much and was so, so bad that I have a really hard time believing that that guy is, that he is that guy now and he is that bad. So I, I think I would, I mean, maybe we could see Seattle because I also think it's important to keep in mind that the Pacific in general is pretty wide open and a lot of people were thinking that Seattle maybe had a chance of, of taking a playoff spot last year just because of how unpredictable the Pacific is. Um, uh, on top of that, I mean, New Jersey finished below that the Sabres last year, but I, I think New Jersey is going to end up being better than the Sabres. Um, Ottawa, while I think that the moves for Giroux and DeBrincat you know, obviously make them better right now. I don't think that that necessarily pushes them into playoff contention because I feel, I still think that there's a lot of questions on that roster specifically on the back end and in goal. Um, I think Detroit is probably going to end up being better than the Sabres next year. You bring in Billy Huso to be your starter. You have a couple of those savvy signings that we had talked about there. I mean, I, I think Perron coming in for them is, is really big. You get Andrew Kopp. I mean, down the middle, you're going to have Larkin and Kopp. And then on the wings, you know, you have Lucas Raymond there. You have Perron. Um, Tyler Batuzzi, I think, is still there, too. Like, they have, they have some players there in Detroit. You have Maurice Sider, obviously, on D. So they filled out the roster there pretty nicely. Um, I don't think that they're a playoff team, but I do think that they're going to be better than the Sabres. I mean, maybe Anaheim ends up finishing behind the Sabres, but I'm not really confident in the Sabres definitely being better than them right now. Uh, maybe San Jose too. I think actually they could end up being better than San Jose. So I, I, I think that's there. But and then after that, I mean, I'm going to say Columbus is better than them confidently. New York, the Islanders, Winnipeg, Vancouver, those teams are. Ooh, I'm not confident in some of those at who, all. Who? I'm not that confident in Columbus being better than them. I'm not. Here's one. I'm not that confident the Islanders are better than them. The Islanders really? were not good before Garrett, Barry Trotz got there, even with John Tavares. And now Barry Trotz is gone. The guy who's probably maybe their best or second best player, you know, Devontae's, Devin Tays, gone for nothing. That was two years ago, but still looking at it like they were not good this past year. That was with Barry Trotz. Who knows how Lambert's going to be as a coach? Like they don't have that much offensive talent. Sorok and I trust way more than any Sabres goaltending. That'd be the main trump card. But like, yeah, yeah they weren't that much better than the Sabres last year. Maybe they will be this year, but I'm not, I'm not crazy confident in that. And I'm not confident in Winnipeg. Really? They have much better goaltending as well, but Winnipeg, I don't know. They're, are, they, are they trying to be good? I think. I mean, I don't think they're trying to be a lot better, but I think that they have good pieces there at least that they do. Yeah. They're, but like, middle, they're middling. They're, they're a middling team. Like, yeah. And then wrong, but I, that's better than what the Sabres are right now. Yeah. And you mentioned, I think the Sabres are at least in the neighborhood of Anaheim and San Jose. So they, they could be. And then the other one I wanted to mention is my number one contender to uh, fall off a cliff next year, Nashville. Interesting. Go on. Go look at um, UC Saros, the save percentage and the shooting percentage of Nashville, Nashville's top four scorers last year. Mm-hmm. And then consider that none of them were actually, and talking about goal scorers there, none of them were Roman Yossi who had like a hundred points almost. Like none of that is being kept up this year. And with that, they barely made the playoffs barely. And they got steamrolled and you yeah. saw what kind of team there when UC Saros isn't on the ice. I know they're playing Colorado, but still like, I don't, so, I don't think they're all that. I, I think they will finish better than the Sabres, but to me, it's not an impossibility. They could be a like 75 point team next year. So just to back that point up to for their top, 
four goal scorers. You have Matt Duchesne, who his shooting percentage with 43 goals, 18.9. Philip Forsberg, 42 goals, but Forsberg is legit. 18.6. Ryan Johansson shot 22%. And Tanner Genois, Genois, whatever the hell his last name is, 19.4%. So that's definitely fair. But again, though, as we have seen in this league, having a goalie of the caliber of Saros, again, that gets you to being middling. Like, are you, do you feel confident in saying that the Sabres will be, and I know I even said, like, I think that the Sabres could have the year that Winnipeg had last year. Winnipeg and the Sabres win losses are just flip-flop. Winnipeg had 39 wins, um, 32 losses and 11 ties. The Sabres were 32 wins, 39 and 11. I think that the Sabres absolutely could flip that, but that is banking on Comrie being like a 9-10, guy probably. Mm-hmm. Do you think the Sabres are confidently a 500 team next year? I think they're at least pretty close. Do you th- let me ask you this. Do you think aside from Montreal, because I think we both agree the Sabres should be better than the, than the Canadians, is there any team in the division that you're confident that the Sabres are going to be better than? As things stand right now as we're recording this. Hmm. No, I just think, no, not confident. I think what, what I'm saying before, I guess the point of what I'm saying is I think the Sabres could be like not that bad, like not fall off a cliff or anything like that and still be like 28th in the standings. And I think they could be not much better than that and be like 19th or 18th. Cause I think that's, I think there's a large mushy middle there. Um, I, that's just the way it is in the NHL. Like, I don't think there'll be a huge gap in points. So it, a lot of that comes down to like, was your goaltending good? Did you get out at the right time? Did you avoid injuries? Things like that. And so to answer your question, I don't know if they will be better than Ottawa or Detroit. But, like, I think those teams are all pretty comparable at the moment. Yeah. And, but I guess you yeah. would say that Ottawa's really going for it. They're probably better than the Sabres this year. Right. Yeah, I mean, you look at, like, New Jersey was 28th last year, and they had 63 points, whereas the 20th team, the Islanders, had 84 points. So you're looking at 21 points there. But as you get in a little bit further, though, that really starts to decrease. Like, from uh, 26th, which was Ottawa, 73 points last year, to 21 which was Columbus 81 points. I mean, that's, that that's less than 10 points of a difference there. Yeah. You could, you could become, you could fall in the standings five point or five places in the standings pretty easily. If like, right. Mike Comrie has a Jesus, Mike Comrie. Mike Comrie. Let's Mike, if Mike Comrie comes back <laughs> middle of a game and attacks Comrie's ankle, the Sabres <laughs> have to play Anderson and UPL for like six weeks. They could be five standings places worse. How maybe he'll just suck okay. anyway, and it won't matter. Columbus, how in the hell did they give Erica Branson a four-year, $16 million contract that also has a 10-team tri- modified no-trade clause? What are you doing? Okay, see, this is what I mean. These other teams are stupid. Oh, my God. That is a just brutal brutal move that is uh what what i i can't believe that i'm saying this but that is worse than the uh the laurier deal <laughs> at least you have a low yeah. LED there also another i think nice move that seattle made which is why i think they could end up moving up a little bit again they're not gonna be a playoff team i don't think necessarily but bringing in justin schultz i think too is a nice move to add to their blue line as well um so well, yeah if, seattle is if, if philip grubauer plays 50 games 
of his like with like his career average save percentage before he got to Seattle, they'll probably be pretty close to the playoffs in the Pacific. It depends how good the Pacific is. Like if the Knights bounce back, uh, if well, frankly, how does Calgary handle this this loss? Assume the Kings are better. The Oilers, Kings, and Knights should all be up there. So maybe Seattle probably isn't that close to the playoffs without another move. But who knows? Maybe Beniers and Wright are really good right away. Mm-hmm. Wow. My also, is probably not. I know I mentioned it before about Pacioretty. Carolina got him for literally nothing. So they have Vegas has to be making a move because they were they were cleared of their cap issues by not resigning Riley Smith, right? I don't know if they were cleared of it, but this has got to help now. Hundred percent, yeah. Oh my god. I mean, Pacioretty's got to make a ton of money. I'm going to look now at cap friendly, but like Vegas is interesting because they have taken out a lot of quite a bit of money and quite a bit of term for a few of their contracts. But to me, if most of their team, I read that as uh, Eichel, Stone, and Leonard are healthy next year, I think they'll be fine, and I think they'll probably be a cup contender. Their their time is their window's not open forever, but I think next year it very much is open. Now we'll see what, uh, who knows what I believe in it is anymore, but Can you, yeah, so I'm looking at it now. Well, you know what? You're right. They are under quite a bit of a crunch because they, yeah. Wow. Okay. They, <laughs> oh my God. Jesus. Fellas, what are you doing? Um, they were still over with only eight forwards signed before this Pacioretty deal. Pacioretty takes 7 million off. Coughlin takes not. So Coughlin's the sweetener basically. I'm assuming. So yeah, that's almost eight million that it takes off. They don't have another goalie signed, so they will be at seventy-seven million roughly, and they have to sign five forwards. So I'll I'll go over this again. And so like, actually, Vegas is in way more trouble than I thought. I thought they were fine because the end of last year they were fine. They are very much not fine. So Riley Smith is gone, and they have. Yeah, so they have these eight forwards signed. They have Keegan Kessler and Nicholas Waz RFAs, so like maybe they'll be cheap. Their defense is all set, except now they don't have Coughlin anymore, but they have six guys, so they're probably fine. Man, yeah, I don't know. They might have another move to make even. I mean, Lauren Brassois on injured reserve still. What's that? I I said they're probably going to have to get – they'll try and move Brassois, I would assume. Yeah, I mean, probably. I don't see what else they would do. Like they don't have room for them, man. They just signed everyone to a bunch of money. That's, that's not, <laughs> you can actually do fellas. Like they have Eichel making 10 stone, making 9.5 patch ready was making seven before this Carlson. Oh man. They got to try to get out, out of under Carlson. He's at yeah. 5.9 through 2027. Oh, Archer. So still at five. Can you, uh, there's a 2.7. Jesus. I think I am worried about Carolina next year and by potentially being able to come out of the east adding patch man I mean the guy could still play like Brent Burns can still play to some extent yeah right exactly who'd they lose they lose anyone this offseason Trocek that's not much I mean he was good for them but not like a, a real key piece or anything like that damn yeah, they were good last year. They probably should have been challenging Tampa for the cuff if they didn't lose to the the, the bozos. And you know who I'm actually Madison wondering Square about? Garden. Actually, did uh, let's see, 
Klingberg, did he? He hasn't signed anywhere yet, right? Nope. He's not returning to Dallas. Is the latest news? Like he is 100 not going back. So interesting. That'll that'll be interesting to see where he ends up. He's probably the top defenseman on the market right now. Interesting. Yeah. Well, huh. people will probably know a lot more about that tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Listen to this. All right. So before we move on to development camp, Taylor. We have one last thing regarding the current Sabres that we need to talk about. And that is a rumor that had come up today. Ray Ferraro, your boy, Ray Ferraro was asked, where will Pat Kane play next season? And his answer was the Buffalo Sabres, Taylor. Um, I think a lot of people's eyes maybe just rolled in the back of their heads and maybe some other people got really psyched about it. I personally, along with you and many others, do not think that this is the move to make uh, right now for a lot of reasons. And rather than going into them, I'm just going to let you take this one. What are your thoughts on that? All right. From a totally hockey perspective, I looked into this before today, actually, because it's been a topic that's been broached. He's a free agent after the season and Chicago is tanking like crazy and he probably wants to be traded more than anything. So I'm against a trade because it's a rental on a year where the Sabres probably aren't going to the playoffs and there's definitely not competing for a cup. Don't give up assets for rental like that. Here's the thing. What if it's not a rental? I think that's worse. Uh, it's not a secret that he's 34 years old. If you sign him, he'll be 35 early in the first year of his contract. That's major danger zone for forwards, like even guys of his caliber. And I, at that point, he's going to want to be compensated. And I think if you're looking at this, you just look at the points, you look at his pedigree and you go like, hey, he's still got it. And I'm here to tell you, I don't think so. I think his point total is deceiving. And this is going to sound crazy, but he is about as bad as you can be as a 92 point player. And I'm going to explain why. I think it's actually pretty simple if you think about it. First, and people may not care about this, but it's something it's always been the case, but it's even more. So now totally valueless in his own zone, not a guy. I mean, not that wingers are traditionally like super important in their own zone. He's a black hole in that end. He's not someone who has provides any value on that side. So it's all offense in any way. still say no shit, 92 points. That's fine. All right. So I'll break that down a little bit further. He plays more than this past season played more than 22 minutes a game which means that he's getting a ton of minutes to rack up these points, which he would not be getting in Buffalo. He, he got that because they're terrible. The Sabres are trying to be pretty good. He's not getting 22 minutes a night here and he's getting older. He's going to be less capable of playing that kind of workload anyway. And on the other hand, he's also on the, for whatever it's worth, he played with Alex to that helped him. I'm sure it helped to too, but it definitely helped Kane at, at this stage of the game. And he played in the power play, which also helps. So still a good power play player. I do not like overpaying guys who a lot of their value comes in the power play. You've heard a million times that I want to move on for Victor Olofsson because so much of his value is in the power play. Almost everyone's good in the power play. As long as you can kind of put a good power play together. Okay, maybe Kane's part of making the Sabres a good power play. I'm not paying top dollar for that for someone moving into their 40s. Looking at this past year, he actually had, I believe, so he had 26 goals and 66 assists. I believe 22 assists and nine of those goals were on the power play. So that's 31 power play points. Makes him one of the better power play players in the league. Again, there's not a huge gap between one of the best power play players and a power play player you can find. Everyone's got a top six. The Sabres could very well have a decent power play without it. So I, that's not value to me. So what are you left with? You're left with 
him having 61 points at even strength, which still sounds good. But points by themselves, as we know, that's not everything. So what do you have there? You have 17 even strength goals. And like I just said, he played 22 minutes a game. No winger in the NHL played more minutes last year. I think only one or two forwards in general, both of whom were centers, played more minutes last year. This guy was eating minutes like crazy. Do you know where he ranked? And this is going to sound complicated. I promise it's simple. Among guys who actually played, so not guys that played one game and it could screw up the sample because it's too small. Among guys who actually played half a season last year, so like real guys, mm-hmm. where he ranks in even strength goals for 60 minutes. So if you've yeah. never heard of that stat, it's very simple. It's just goals you scored even strength per 60 minutes. So how often do you score when you're on the ice? Do you want to guess where he ranks, Brendan? Tell me. 209th in the NHL. He is not, he does not have goal scoring value anymore. 26 goals by itself sounds okay, not great anymore. And he's falling off quick. He had 44 a few years ago. That's what happens in your 30s to everyone not named Alex Ovechkin and Yarmir Yager. So that's, that's kaput. His goal scoring ability, even strength, no good. Goal scoring ability at power play is still pretty solid. I've made my point in the power play. So you, what you're looking at is his even strength passing. Even strength passing, still good. He was in the low 40s by the same measure. Uh, even strength assist per 60 minutes. Now, there are other angles here to consider. Uh, leadership, who knows? He's been on multiple teams that have won. But let me tell you this. He was on a team that had, you know, has won in the past. So was Taze. So was Keith. Seabrook. Corey Crawford. These guys are all on teams in like 2017 and 2018. All that veteran leadership, all that stuff, none of it mattered. And now I'm not against getting someone that's won before. I think that's actually a really good idea for this this locker room at some point in the next two years, getting someone like that, but maybe an Andre Pilat, who knows, but there are a lot of, all I'm trying to do here is illustrate that point totals can be deceptive. If you are someone like Pat King, you take someone like that, you put him on a line with one of the more dangerous players in the league in Debrinkit, you give him a power play, put him on a good power play and you give him an absolute buttload of minutes and expect him to basically give no effort in his own end. Guy's going to get a lot of points. They're not going to get as many points as Pat Kane, but shit, Dylan Strom put up points with these guys. I mean, what does that tell you? Like this is, he was put in an excellent situation. Pat Kane three years ago, one of the best offensive forces in the league. It's no longer the case, despite what the point totals tell you. On the other hand, I think we all need to recalibrate what we think of our point totals because 92 points would have won him the Art Ross in 2015. This year, it's like he's like 20th in points. Like it's like I, I was kind of taken aback when I remember that Gaudreau had more than 110 points this year. Yeah. Guys are routinely getting above 120 again. Like that's that's the high upper echelon high mark now. You got to get around 120 if you want to win. McDavid uh, put up 100 goddamn points in a 56 game season. So it's I think it's a bad idea for all those reasons. And everyone's going to, you know, do, you know, talk about whether or not it's good for non-hockey reasons, if they're going to be able to root for him or if blah, 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 if they think all that stuff's fake or if they don't care or whatever. But I'm here to tell you it is a bad idea for hockey reasons. Hey, let someone give him this stupid contract he's going to get next year. Let that fail. Let them get bought out. And if you really want, you can bring him here for cheap in like five years, four years. Who knows? When he's old, he's here for a couple million, just wants to win. Maybe the Sabres are ready at that time to compete for a Stanley Cup. That's my 50 cents on it. Cause that was a long rant. I was going to say two cents, but 
that's my that's my handful of change on this no, uh, on this topic. I think, and people roll their eyes when you get a little bit more like in depth on points. That's why I try to explain how simple this the advanced stats I pay attention to are super simple. It's just something that you know points can be skewed. Everyone knows points aren't a great measure of these things. So that's why I try to look at like some simple things like that that can tell you. I'm not telling you what his war is or his gar. I don't know how to calculate any of that. I do know that I looked at how many minutes he played and I looked at how many goals he had and I went, rut row. A lot of those came on the power play. So you go ahead. In fact, anyone who's listening to this, go on Money Puck, I believe it is, and you can sort skaters and you can score, sort by minutes. I went by 500 minutes. So don't just, don't just, they'll set it at like one minute. Don't do that because you end up with a bunch of randos. Go to like 500 minutes. Scroll over to like even strength goals per 60 minutes. I also put the thing at five on five. You just set the thing to five on five, go to that, scroll down the list, find all the guys that are uh, above Pat Kane, guys like Vinny Henestroza. Guys like, hey, Jeff Skinner and Tage Thompson were actually both top 10 last year by that metric in the NHL. But that, that's another, that's one more thing I'm going to say before I end my rant. I saw a bunch of people saying that Kane would be by far the best player next year. Show some goddamn respect to Tage Thompson for the mm-hmm. season he had. What, mm. what is the matter with you? Like Pat Kane's the best would be the best player in the Sabres because he put up a bunch of garbage points and power plays and secondary assists on a one of the worst teams in the league. Like the Sabres were winning games in the second half of last year. They won more than half their games in the last few months. And it's because Tage, monster on both ends. I mean, he oh yeah. Very well, good in his own end and uh good enough in his own end, I should say, and very good in the other end and scored almost 40 goals. Right. And you summed everything. Four goals is important. Right. You, you summed everything up perfectly there. I don't have much else to add. My only thing too, that I just want to say that I think you may have touched on, but like, even if you were somebody that really, really wanted him, why would you give up assets this year? When in reality, if he wanted to be here, he could just sign here in the off season after this season, when you would not have to worry about paying his, I mean, not that his salary matters for this year, but like, I'm not going to give up assets for a guy whose value is so overinflated right now, as you had just said, like it, it makes no sense to do that. And I get the thought of like, Oh, well the Sabre, you know, I think Ferraro had said something to the effect of like, Oh, like the fans have been dirt a lot there. And this would be like a, a show of goodwill to them. Save it for next year. Then if, if, if that's what you really want to do, I don't think they should do it regardless because I, I'm more interested in some of the other options that may be out there next year for free agency as we had talked to I think like a a month ago or so we had the episode where we looked ahead to 2023 a little bit but even if you did don't give up an asset for him now because you are going to be overpaying so much like I would not trade a first round pick for him right now at all even if it was top 10 protected I wouldn't do it yeah so like I think I the to me this is the uh Carmelo Anthony principle for the non-basketball fans out there you might know that Carmelo was drafted as a nugget wants a trade and he wants to go to New York. There's no secret about it. Everyone in the world, including the Knicks and the Nuggets knows he wants to go there. Well, what the Nuggets could have done is to pull them, Hey, we're trying to make the playoffs this year, but they don't want to, they want to get money in their table. They don't want to lose, lose out on them. The Knicks, meanwhile, who are making the playoffs for the first time in like seven, eight years at that point, they could just be like, well, if you really want to be here, you'll be here. We're not giving up too much for him, but he made it known he wanted to be traded. And which is honestly a dumb move by him. It's a minorly good financial move considering how much money he makes, but like that very minor in the long run, um, he made them trade and they had to trade Danilo Gallinari. And I 
I think J.R. Smith went with him, but they traded like Alinari, Wilson Chandler, first round picks. The full trade was a huge haul for Melo. It was a, it was a decent deal for Denver side. And Melo was left, you know, I'd, I'd be wondering, uh, hey, what the hell did you make us do that for? Why don't you just wait? Right. Come to your free agency. And Melo would say, so I could make an extra few million dollars in a career where I made $400 million and won nothing. <laughs> Instead, I could have made $390 million or whatever he would have mm-hmm. lost out on. And maybe he won something. I'd still the Knicks, so he wouldn't have. But anyway, that's what I'd be thinking if I'm Sabres here. Like, oh, if you want to be here, you want to be here. If not, don't. And I should say also when I'm saying all that stuff, the conclusion of what I'm saying is when I say he's already not as valuable player as he seems right now, it's only getting worse. He's 34 or he will be 34 in November. If you you get him for the 23-24 season, he'll be 35 early in that season. If it's a five-year deal, it's his 35 to 39 seasons. I'm sorry. Those are not going to be fun times for, to watch someone like Pat Kane. Like that's for anyone. I'm that's not an insult to Pat Kane. Like there's so few guys who those years have been worth it. I'd even point to Joe Thornton, who was a guy who stayed good when he was for a long time. Like he was good when he was like his age 36 or 37 season, the year where they went to the cup in, yeah. in 2016. He was incredible. One of the best old guy seasons ever. You know what he was after that? Fine. He was an NHL player. He's still mm-hmm. around till this past year, playing in his early to mid forties. You're not blowing anyone away. There's only one Gordy Howe. Like, <laughs> like I said, Ovechkin, he's awesome. Still at scoring goals. That's something, but like, don't look at Ovechkin's numbers in his own zone. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't, I, also, if, if, if Kane could still score goals, it would be a different story. It's not, he can't. Quick uh, recent development. Insert Brian Windhorse meme here. Uh, New Jersey Devils general manager Tom Fitzgerald is not having his media availability this evening. So say what you will, but kind of sounds like Johnny Goudreau to the Devils may be a thing. Mm-mm. Now tell me, Taylor, if he had a media availability scheduled, why would he cancel the media availability that he had scheduled? Hmm? Uh, he's trying to make room for Kevin Durant. <laughs> exactly. Precisely. Oh, man. All right. Well, Taylor, is that it then? Other, do you have any other thoughts on free agency before we get into the. Uh, oh, my God. I forgot about development camp. We got to talk about development camp really quick because there is a couple of very interesting things that happened. First and foremost, Devin Levi looked awesome from everything that I had saw and was reading. Everybody was raving about him. He looked great. Um, Peyton Krebs also looked great. Uh, all of the, the guys who are returning, who we saw get minutes last year, looked really good. Paterka was in group two and he was dominating. Same thing with Samuelson. But what we are really all wondering about here, uh, which has been the big news of the week and really of the past few months is Ryan Johnson and Eric Portillo. And I guess Devin Levi to an extent too. Levi, I think you and I both feel confident that he's going to sign next year. I have to think that in all of the conversations that they've been having with him, that Adams in the front office is telling him, you are our guy. Like, I know that they keep saying stuff in the media about Lukanen and how they believe in him and everything, but like, they've got to be rolling out the red carpet for him. And I think Levi does want to be here. He's indicated as such. It it, it just feels like they have the flexibility there. Like, I'm not getting worried about this until like, if it's this time next year and he's still not signed. So that's fine. Ryan Johnson and Eric Portillo on the hand, on the other hand are very, very interesting situations. Ryan Johnson starting off 
he had said in his media availability today after practice that he is taking the week to evaluate the staff and the organization. And the, the quote that he had said, though, which was a little bit interesting, is that he's not really thinking about free agency. He said that his goal is, quote, to sign here eventually and that he loves the organization. Interesting, to say the least. Eric Portillo said that the group of goalies, too, which is another thing. Again, you have UPL here. They just drafted Linonen in the second round, obviously Levi. But Portillo had said that the group of goalies will be like that in every organization. And he admitted that a lot of the media talk, uh, a lot of the talk about free agency was just coming from the media and that he's just focused on his next season with Michigan. So... I think it's first and foremost important to say that these guys are here at development camp and they're probably not looking to get crucified by the media while they are here for a week, which may be their last weekend before they're supposed to go back to college, whatever. So I think it's fair to necessarily not necessarily take that at, uh, at face value and just assume that they're being honest about that. I think that the Sabres would be doing a poor job at running the franchise if they just assumed that they could take these kids words because we've seen it before that they could get burned on that. Um, with Johnson, the question remains, say he gets through this week and he signs, great, that's awesome. Don't worry about it. Get him in Rochester this year. Boom, perfect, no problem. If he does not, I think that, and I'm sure you feel this way, we've talked about this at length. If you are able to include him in any kind of a move where one, you're, say probably the most likely scenario is that if you are going to make a big move for a guy, or you're trying to pick up assets, whatever, that is like a, a bigger move. And you include him in as a sweetener to get you over the top. I think you absolutely need to look to do that. I think that that goes without saying at this point. And on the other end of that too, it, it really just has to be evaluated. Like, I don't think that you're going to end up trading him and getting a first round pick in return. If you could get him for like literally any second round pick, I think that's an upgrade based like depending on... Um, who he ends up going to, because if he doesn't end up signing here, the compensation pick that they get in return is the last pick of the second round because he was a first round pick. If they end up, you know, hanging on to him and he walks. Um, are you worried about this? Do you think that he's going to sign? Like, wh what are, what are your thoughts? Do you think that, that he's just, that these guys are just saying this, that they, they want to be here just to, you know, not have the media on their back about this and, and to just kind of save face. Well, he can play both sides, right? Yes. So that to me makes it seem like I wonder what his holdup is. Maybe he just doesn't like Buffalo. That's a possibility. Who knows? Like some free agents have just not been interested in playing here. Like Jimmy Visa didn't give us a chance. They drafted Cal Peterson, couldn't get him here, whatever. But if you can play both ways, the right side's kind of open. Uh, I know on the left side, if he was left only, I'd say like, yeah, I don't know. Because then you have power and Darlene there firmly. And Samuelson, we'll see. But he seems like he probably at least will be part of the team going forward. Like Bryson, Yoki Haru, and Labushkin <laughs> um, on the other side. Not, not super confident in. And I'm not really super confident in, like, anyone they have in Rochester. Like, they have – they just signed, like – so the bringing back pilot, we'll see what happens with him. He plays both ways, too. And, like, they just signed three defensemen today to play in Rochester. They brought back Ethan Prowl. Like, none of these guys are NHLers. Like, they have a bunch of guys who are probably not in the NHL. So, I don't think you should be worried about any kind of logjam or anything like that. I think – I don't know. I don't really – I don't know what to make of any of this. I think it's very – it's deeply strange to me that he hasn't decided either way. His season ended more than three months ago. And I, I think I'd be thinking the same thing if I was uh, 
his college coach. Like, am I going to have potentially my best defenseman back next year or not? That's, it's just a strange thing. I, I wonder if he's just telling the truth. Honestly, it makes his, his statement, it makes it make a little bit more sense that he wants to see what the organization is like. That's Hey, maybe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How about Portillo? What do you think? Gone. Probably. I mean, I don't know. Maybe he really just wanted to go back to college and win a national championship. College rules probably rules even more when you're a great athlete on a team that could win a national championship. Sounds like a lot of fun to me, mm-hmm. but uh, maybe he uh, just wants to look elsewhere. Maybe he thinks, hey, Levi is going to sign there. But again, I've said this before. That doesn't make much sense to me because Levi decided before him. Maybe Portillo already told people. Maybe he just had it set in his mind that he was behind Levi and UPL, but like guys look, the goaltending is wide open. One of you should probably try to get here as soon as possible because you can probably get here pretty quick. Maybe, maybe Portillo just doesn't want to play here. Who knows? I think, I think also it's worth noting that development camp uh, wasn't, it wasn't a thing last year. Was it? Or was it? Uh, Or was it different at all? You know what my take on this is? What? Any human being who says, who, who blames the media, they're a goddamn liar. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Where was Eric Portillo on January 6th last year? Hmm? He was at last year. He was at my house for a birthday party. Oh, good. Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, at this stage of the game, I feel the same way kind of about both of them is like, if you're going to, make a move where you can add them in as sweetener. So you don't have to get rid of somebody else who you know is going to be here. And I don't know. I feel, I feel like I feel differently about this. If I didn't feel so confident that Levi was going to sign Um, and not to say that we should just like rest all of our hopes on Devin Levi, because again, as we said last week and our last episode and uh, all the time, goalies are voodoo. You just don't know what's going to happen there, but Oh, I feel very confident that that dude is going to be a damn good NHL goalie. I'm pretty confident too. I mean, the numbers back that up. Yeah. Sad he's wasting his time this year. It would be cool if he was in Rochester, but then who knows? We wouldn't get an anthem from Elkin Subban. So, you know, life gives, life takes away. Mm. Amen. Amen. Anything else you want to talk about? This is a long one. Yeah. Do you have any recommendations? I recommend people go to Cobblestone Live this weekend and see my band Canadas play at 515. Come hang out. Say what's up. Let me buy you a beer or non-alcoholic beverage if you don't drink. Either way, come say what's up. If uh, if you are going to Cobblestone Live, yeah, definitely come say hi. But no, recommendation. Um, Did you well, watch Unrivaled? Know. What's that? Did you watch Unrivaled? I haven't yet. I still need to. Did you? Oh, okay. Yeah, I watched it. It's very good. Is that what your recommendation is? Yeah, it's uh, it's on ESPN+. Plus. It's about the Red Wings and Avalanche rivalry when hockey was cool. A uh, bunch of great stuff. Uh there's the interviews are great. They got so many guys. They got like basically everyone, but Scotty Bowman, but Scotty Bowman's an almost 90 year old man. So I, I see why he wasn't there. And I think, uh, I think they got most of the great players. I don't know if I'm missing anyone in my head. Uh, they got the, the two, two guys at the center of it who are completely insane and Darren McCarty and Claude Lemieux. God, I knew Claude Lemieux was weird, but I did not know Darren McCarty was that insane, <laughs> but yeah. A lot of crazy stuff. Chris Draper, his face still looks a little off. There's so many things there that are really interesting. And 
yeah what a what a story mm. what a time that was and i think another thing i actually really like vladimir konstantinov appearance mm, okay here we go one other thing taylor lou lamorello no availability tonight now why would he do that why would the islanders cancel lose media availability he's for shaving their Johnny new draft Gisbro picks is going to be the first player in history to sign a contract with two nhl teams two <laughs> yeah, brian windhorse meme <laughs> um oh so anyway yeah it's great Sorry. great documentary and is it a spoiler if i say how it doesn't end uh sure because it kind of ended on like a wasn't this great moment not really like how did it end you know like how did this rivalry end all rivalries have to come to an end at some point but like to me i think it's really interesting that well you could always end it on the easy one they sent detroit to a different conference but in 08 colorado and detroit played in the playoffs did you know that people don't remember that sackick i think was there lidstrom would still be there chris draper was there Lemieux was not there, but I think Lemieux was in the playoffs that year with San Jose, and he was like 45 years old. Um, but yeah, I don't know if, who remembers this. Detroit ran through the playoffs in 08. I don't know if people remember that. Do they remember in the second round, Colorado was there. It was the only time for, in like a 15-year stretch they advanced in the playoffs, and they got waxed in game four. It was like 8 nothing. It was like the 0-2 game, frankly, which was kind of the spiritual end of the rivalry. Detroit just did it again with some of the main guys still around, and it's totally forgotten about that was in the midst of Detroit winning. I think they won nine straight games in the playoffs in 08. Kind of crazy to think about. They were two, two with the predators, I think. And then one, two in a row swept Colorado and won the first three against Dallas. Wow. What a team that was. Yeah, so that was a, that it that was a, something they didn't mention at the end. So I want to go back and correct myself, not correct myself, but add to what I, when we were talking about the Red Wings before and their various additions and talking about their forward group, I, I forgot a couple of pretty good names that they also have there. Jacob Vrana. Oh, yeah. Really nice piece there. Philip Zadina, too. And they signed Dominic Kubalik today, too, from uh, from Chicago after they let him walk. They have Pius Suter in the middle who had a decent year for them last year. Joe Valeno, for, former first-round pick. They got some D- – Detroit's going to be all right this year. I think Detroit has – I think Detroit has the Winnipeg year next year. I think Detroit – I could see them having a record of like a – 39, 32, and 11 kind of record. Fair enough. Essentially the record that I want the Sabres to have. Maybe Tage will have 60 goals this time. I think Tage is going to score 75. Interesting. He'll score 75. Krebs is going to have 400 assists. Wow. <laughs> I was thinking like 350, but all right. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, no, I, well, you know what? And because this episode has been so goddamn long, I will wait for us to talk about Thor love and thunder, because I feel like we always talk when we go see a Marvel movie together after. So why don't we save that one for Monday's episode? All right. All right, everybody. Well, thank you all so much for tuning into this episode of straight up sabers presented by the hockey podcast network and the charging Buffalo. Make sure you're checking out the presenters of this podcast on their respective websites. Whatever streaming platform you're using to currently listen to this episode, make sure you are also checking out all of our fellow shows and following them on social media. Make sure you're also following us on social media, Straight Up Sabres on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And again, wherever you are listening to us right now, if you have the ability to make sure you drop us a rating, we would really appreciate it or make sure you're following us either way. And last but not least, as Taylor had said before, head over to DraftKings and use that promo code THPN at checkout to take advantage of great deals. 
We'll be back with a brand new episode on Monday covering the rest of development camp and all of the other moves that are going to be happening after the time of us recording this right now. So we're really looking forward to that. Thank you all so much for tuning in. This has been Straight Up Sabres. (laughs) 